We have one more really exciting interview that comes from the Miami Crypto Experience. Now, this one was really cool because this was the first time I learned about all the opportunities that exist with trying to get dual citizenship in other countries. If you are looking for ways to potentially protect your crypto and explore options from a tax standpoint as well, well, this is a really good interview to pay attention to. Joel drops a ton of great knowledge. I learned a ton and I'm sure you're going to as well. So sit back, relax, make sure you have a notepad with you. Take a lot of notes because he's about to drop a ton of great knowledge for you here today. Hey, everyone, your boy Richard Carthon here. And of course, we have Stephen Miller. We have another exciting day at the Miami Crypto Experience. One of the opening acts, if you will, was the lawyer here, Mr. Joel. We're excited to be able to spend some time. He spit some outrageously amazing knowledge. And I was like, we have to have a moment to just unpack a little bit of it. So Joel, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, man. Well, plenty of questions that we're going to dive into. But one of the first ones that I always like to start with is just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Well, I'm a lawyer, 56 years old. I've been practicing law for 32 years. A lot of people say, wow, you know, you're you know, with this law that you're doing in the crypto space, you've become this overnight success. I said, yeah, well, it only took 32 years to become an overnight success. But our tagline of our firm is we represent U.S. capital abroad. So we're always working with mostly Americans, although we have other foreign clients as well, helping them accomplish whatever it is they want to accomplish outside the U.S., keeping in mind their business goals and objectives, their asset protection goals and objectives, but then also you know, the tax consequences and things like that back in the U.S. Because as an American, you can't take your eye off that ball. So we've really focused in that area for 32 years. You know, that's the area that I wanted to be in when I first started practicing as a young lawyer. It was extremely slow getting started. But now, yes, the the phone rings all day, every day. Uh, one of my friends said, uh, you know, Joel, it's amazing. You have an unlimited marketing budget that you don't have to pay for. Because, you know, essentially with all the crazy nonsense going on in Washington and the divisiveness and, and all of that. It's just, it causes so many people to reach out and look for somebody like me or, or somebody that does the same thing. I've lived and worked around the world. I have a big family of seven children. They tell people the easiest thing I do all day is go to work and uh, no plans to retire anytime soon. I'm very happy with my work and love what you do. I love what I do. So, and I like, I like helping people really that at the end of the day, that's what we're helping them. I have my own podcast called the global wealth fortress report. And I always end by saying, you know, I wish you health. I wish you happiness. And I wish you a wealth that can't be taken away by others. That's really the, the core aspect of my practice. So look, I think that's a really great way to transition here because I think that one of the most core elements of both your sessions, because again, you led the keynote this morning and then you also had a session immediately after that where you were really diving into asset protection. And I think that our audience is probably thinking to themselves, well, I mean, asset protection, that is more relevant to, you know, retail and the landscape that individuals are looking at from a loss prevention angle. But my question to you is, how does asset protection relate to the individual investor? 
because I think that the novice out there may not necessarily see that connection. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. I think the easiest way to explain it is to use a sports analogy or sports metaphor. Trying to make money, that's offense. Protecting what you have, that's defense. You know, I'm not here to give any your viewers any investment tips or tell them how to make money. I'm trying to say, look, I want to help you make sure you keep what's yours. I want you to be able to sleep at night. You know, if a lawsuit arises, if there's currency devaluation, if there's capital controls, lawsuits, divorce, whatever it is, you know, we want to try to protect you. And the best time to protect yourself is before you have a problem, not after you have a problem. I, I get it a few times per month. I get a call from somebody. They describe some heinous situation. Of course, it's never their fault, but, you know, a lawsuit's been filed and our charges have been, you know, are out there. That's not the right time. I mean, it's, it's, it, 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 you can actually cross the line between civil action and criminal action by doing that. And a lawyer or, or an accountant or somebody that helps you can be pulled in as basically like an accomplice, get into something called a fraudulent conveyance. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to, you don't even want to have to know what that is. You just want to, when the sun's shining, like it hit, does a lot here in Miami, the skies are blue. That's the time to protect yourself. And on that, you know, one of the things you started to get into immediately that kind of perked my ears up that I had no idea about was the idea of citizenship elsewhere. So um, you brought up a couple of different examples. I think one of them was in Panama. Can you kind of talk about some of those different types of examples? Sure. I mean, classic asset protection, we're talking about protecting wealth. Some of your you know, viewers might say, well, I don't really have that much. Maybe I don't need to worry about protecting you know, this or that. But everybody's most precious asset is themselves. And, you know, one of the ways you can protect yourself is to have plan B, plan C, plan D. You know, it could be simple. You could have a little vacation property in Costa Rica that maybe, you know, if things got bad, you could go there, whatever. You know, it doesn't have to be a complex strategy. But a lot of people, they want to get formal residencies so that they, you know, they have a residency card similar to a green card for people that come to the U.S. that gives them the right to travel. And we've seen in the last year, with COVID that the right to travel, you know, it shouldn't be taken for granted. In fact, a lot of people's right to travel was literally taken away. But if you had a residency, if you had a second passport or citizenship somewhere else, you could frequently leverage that to be able to go different places. So over the last year, I've traveled back and forth across the Atlantic, I think eight times wow. and almost always on empty planes and you know, because the, the typical person can't go. I have a residency in Europe. So for me, it's like, okay, here's my U.S. passport. Here's my residency card. And with that, I, I could travel. But that's the reason why, you again, before there's a problem, you want to have that in your pocket. You know, people are saying, oh, I, I want to get a residency over there. Okay, well, now you have to wait for things to reopen because just to even go over and start the process, you're basically in the camp of all the, tourists and you just, the tourist, you know, travel is not really open yet to a lot of big parts of the world. And I have one quick follow-up question to that. Something that I think you brought up was, you know, a lot of people try to, I don't want to say shun, but like, well, you know, why wouldn't you want to be a U.S. citizen? Why are you trying to go somewhere else? Why are you trying to take your money elsewhere? And a lot of people don't bring up the conversation about the fact that people can spend a lot of money to be a U.S. citizen. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's not like we're a you know, a Benedict Arnold or anything like that. I love America. I love being a, an American, but you know, there's nothing wrong with having a second citizenship, a third citizenship, a residency somewhere 
there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's been around for a long time. I think in Europe, it's it's been commonplace. You know, you have a, a French mother, a Belgian father, and you, you know, you're born with both, then you marry an Italian wife and you get a third. You know, it, it, it it's it's normal. It's commonplace. Nobody really thinks that there's something shifty about it. As you mentioned, the U.S. itself has programs that are designed to expedite or, or speed up the process of becoming a green card holder and a citizen. And it's really for large investors, the, the EB-5, E-2 visas, you know, you make a substantial investment into the United States and for that you get an automatic green card. Nobody's complaining about it or saying, oh, let's not let those people in because they can write big checks. So the same thing goes the other way. Generally, the richer the country, you know, first world country, it's more expensive. Some of the European countries, it can be a million or more. Some of the countries, it can go up as high as 10 million. Some of the Caribbean, Latin America, Central America can be a lot less. You, you mentioned Panama. Panama is the favorite for a lot of people. There's the friendly nation visa, and you can usually make the right kind of investment and pay all your legal fees and be all set up for under $20,000. So that's something very affordable. The Caribbean citizenship program started around $100,000. And again, once you go to Europe, you know, it starts at a half million and quickly goes up to a million and beyond. So, see, I mean, that's, that's part of the incredible part to me is like this new road that we're starting to talk about here of citizenship by investment, right? That's something that I can almost guarantee. And I mean, we know our, our listenership pretty darn well. Our listenership doesn't have that concept in mind. No clue. So when we think about, you know, what these options are, I want to look at the other side of the coin from Richard, because I think that a lot of people in the U.S. especially get this misconception that if they're going to, I guess, look at another country as a potential residence or take up citizenship in a different place, that that is what we have been told for the longest time is tax evasion. So my curiosity is like, where does that misconception currently lie? I mean, is there a certain specific process that you would have to go through as a U.S. citizen to start taking up citizenship in a different place to then not necessarily be considered a tax evader? Yeah, great. So getting a residence or a second citizenship or a third citizenship in no way affects your U.S. citizenship or your U.S. tax obligations. Okay, that's the, that's the starting point. Now, if you decided you wanted to expatriate, that's the, that's the act, that's the legal act of giving up your U.S. citizenship. And frequently that is done for tax reasons and tax purposes. U.S. law says you must have a second citizenship because you can't give up your U.S. citizenship and thereby become stateless. Both U.S. law and international law doesn't permit that, right? There are small pockets of people in the world that are stateless. And, you know, you have the U.N. and everybody running around trying to help them become a citizen of somewhere. So the U.S. law basically says if you're going to expatriate, then you have to have a citizenship somewhere else. If you get a second citizenship, a third one, a residency here, a residency there, that doesn't affect your U.S. tax because the U.S. tax system isn't based on residence. It's based on citizenship. So as long as you have your U.S. citizenship, you'll always pay U.S. tax. Getting these things I'm talking about, it's not going to impact that one way or the other. But it puts you in a position where you could expatriate if you wanted to. Without it, you could not. So that, I think, is an important distinction. It's so funny because when we were in that second session, I, I listened to you ask that question to the entirety of the audience. And you said, who here wants to actually expatriate from the U.S.? No one raised their hand. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by Tantra Labs, where you can earn 12% in Bitcoin and Ethereum yearly. Tantra Labs is a team of researchers, engineers, and data scientists, economists, and optimists whose primary focus is in Bitcoin, which they believe will usher in a more prosperous future built on sound money. They offer real-time loan tracking, fast automated onboarding, 100% payment history, and multi-sig storage. And again, you will get 12% APY on the crypto that you loan. Tantra Labs is taking on international clients as well as clients in the U.S. except for the state of New York. For more information, please go to tantralabs.io. Again, that's tantralabs.io. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. If you want more ways to engage with us outside of the show, come and join us over on Clubhouse, the new app on iOS and coming soon to Android. On Clubhouse, we're bringing you brand new content every single week in a very fun and engaging way so that you can have conversations with us live. That's right live. Talk to us, some great special guests, and you can join Richard and I every single week for a brand new conversation during our show, Let's Talk Crypto at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can find me at my handle, at Stephen Miller. That's Stephen with a V, Miller. And Richard, what's your handle? R Carthon, C-A-R-T-H-O-N. And starting next week, you can also find us by joining our group. That's right. Search us at CryptoCurrent on Clubhouse, and you'll find our group. Join up, Because every single week, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, we'll have a brand new session for you. Yeah, exactly. Most people, if they get a second passport, they stick it in their safety deposit box and they hope they never need it, right? It's kind of like the Boy Scout motto we talked about, right? You know, you, you hope for the best, you prepare for the worst. And... You know, it's like, it's like insurance, right? You don't buy insurance because you hope your house is going to burn down tomorrow. You buy insurance and hope it never does. And if your house never does, you don't mind what you spend on the insurance. It's the same thing. You know, you can go through a process to get residency, to get citizenship, put it in the safety deposit box and never use, use it. And you're happy that you didn't use it. But if the time comes, you need it, then you're really happy you had it. I mean, I had some business and personal family matters that I had to do in Europe over the last year. And if I couldn't have gone there, it would have been, it would have been very difficult for me, stressful. It would have hurt my family, you know, to not be able to undertake those normal activities. And again, I'm riding on planes, frequently being upgraded because there's nobody on the plane. You know, I, I, I flew on one flight from uh, Washington, D.C. to Munich. I think there were six or seven passengers and maybe 15, you know, flight attendants and staff. There were twice as many and they just said, look, why don't you guys sit in the business class? They're like, okay, no problem. Right. Well, I mean, but, but something about all of this and, and, and why I thought this was a really interesting conversation is that, you know, what, something that we like to do is empower and to just let people know that things are even an option. Like before today's conversation, I wouldn't even known that there was an option of dual citizenship at all of these different countries and there's different levels to it, right? Because yes, I'm proud to be an American. I'm, I'm proud of everything else. And with everything that's going on, you, you talk about contingency plans, insurance, everything else like that, to even know that that is an option is something that's eye-opening. Are there other things from a legal standpoint as we continue to evolve in this space that people might not be aware of that maybe it'd be interesting for them to have on their radar? Well, you know, when we talk about sort of more traditional asset protection, which is dealing more with finances, you know, I've had a couple of questions here, you know, from different people throughout the conference, and, and they literally didn't know that they could legally move assets offshore. I said, well, yeah, you, you know, at least at this moment in time and for the first, you know, 250 years of U.S. history, we have never had 
capital controls. We've never had exchange controls. We've never prohibited people's ability to move their assets offshore, whether they wanted to buy real estate, open a bank account, buy gold and stick it in a vault in Switzerland. You can do all those things, right? The rub comes when you do those things and you're supposed to report on income gains and, and things like that. And you don't, and you think, well, because it's offshore, I don't have to make the, I don't have to tell anybody about it. That's where you get into trouble because look, we live in a very, very transparent world. You know, there's a lot of information sharing. You have these supercomputers that can look at transactions happening real time. And, and that's a, that's a worry I have for the crypto community. I think one of the almost false information out there, it's like a, it's a false feeling of security is that I can do these things with impunity. Nobody's going to know about them. I don't have to report. I don't have to pay tax. That's absolutely false. I mean, you know, 30 years ago, I had, I heard people saying the same thing about numbered Swiss bank accounts and um, you know, it didn't work out for them. It's not going to work out for people who are evading taxes. And I mean, you have people here openly advocating that it, it, I feel badly because, you know, someone's going to end up in an orange jumpsuit. I don't think that they're going to be very happy, but you know, again, the supercomputers are getting better, faster, stronger. You know, you can't tell me, Oh, I didn't earn any money last year, but you know, you took four, you know, first class trips around the world and stayed in uh, hotel suites and you know, you did all these things, you know, that will easily come back to haunt you. I look at it and I say, look, the, for a lot of people in the crypto space, they're paying capital gains. That's the lowest tax rate that there is, right? I mean, if somebody pays me in crypto, I have to declare that as ordinary income. I'm going to pay twice as much money. So if you are so fortunate to be, you know, in Bitcoin five years ago, 10 years ago, and, you know, all of a sudden you're going to sell that and pay a 20% gain on the, uh, just on the gain, the difference between your basis, you know, you're not paying social security tax, you're not paying state income tax. You're not paying, you know, federal income tax. Like that's a good deal. Just pay your tax, keep on going, keep your head down. And um, if you don't like that and you don't want to pay taxes going forward, there's a legal way to do that. And that's called expatriation. That's called giving up your U.S. citizenship. So you have to go one way or the other. You can't have your cake and eat it too. If you want to stay an American, a U.S. citizen, you have to pay tax on your worldwide income, pay your tax. If you don't want to pay tax, give up your citizenship, one or the other. And real quick, I just want to point out, I really appreciate you breaking that down. I don't even think a lot of people realize with capital gains, 20% is basically it, that they don't have to pay the federal taxes, the, the state and everything else, the social security, everything else. So even you breaking that down, just like you said, a lot of ignorance is bliss, right? And so even providing that information is going to be very helpful to a lot of our audience. Right. But it was about that. But it was also just as our host here, the MC of this event, Erica, she brought up this morning that because our capital gain structures are changing, especially through the course of the next year, we need to be prepared to protect our assets more. And that's why this conversation is so valuable to our listeners. The one thing that I do want to throw your way real quick, because I, I think it's a really interesting fact about you that I don't think that we've actually heard much of during this conference, is that you do have a ton of really fascinating international, not just influence, but experience within your own profession. So I'm kind of curious if you could lean into that for us for a little bit and just like tell our listeners a little bit more about the more interesting side of like what I believe was ambassadorship, if I'm not you know mistaken, but also given your worldly experience, if it was in our listeners' interest to expatriate, where might be the best places for them if they were looking to protect their assets? Well, thank you. There's a lot in that question. <laughs> could probably talk for an hour. 
like a lot of lawyers, you know, I, I started out, I was 25 years old and you take whatever business you can because you're trying to, you know, I had a, a wife. Uh, soon thereafter, I had a, my first child, my, my, my daughter. I always knew that I wanted to be focused in this international space and I worked really hard, but it, sometimes I resisted the urge to just take anything that came my way because I, I knew I wanted to be in, 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 in that particular space. But over time, you know, it's, it's like a snowball. It builds up. If you do a good job for people, the word gets out, you know, they refer you to their friends and that more recently in the crypto space, that's what happened. I mean, four or five years ago, I got a, you know, a big crypto client. And the next thing you know, he's introducing me to his friends and, you know, they're saying, well, can you use these legal structures like trusts and foundations you know, some like the trust structure has been around for a thousand years, right? The Brits invented it back in the, during the, the crusades. So, and the answer was yes, of course we can. And so I really felt blessed over the years to get to know some really interesting people, really successful people. And frequently because I was in this sort of international offshore space, I had a, a seat at the table where a domestic lawyer maybe wouldn't have, Right. So you have a big business deal going on and, you know, if that deal's going on in Florida, they might go to the lawyer after the fact and say, okay, here's what we agreed on, like put all the papers together. But in the international offshore space, people were always worried like, well, we don't want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to violate any U.S. law. We don't want to have problems with the IRS. So I became more integrated into the overall discussion of the business. So first it was important to understand well, what was the goal and objective? What were the, what was the individual, the company, what are they trying to do? My job is to help them do it on the one hand, but then to make sure that the, you know, that the legal ramifications and tax ramifications back in the U S were being properly addressed. And I think because the CEOs had sort of a feeling of insecurity about that element that uh, like I had a seat at the table, like at this board table. So I got to know some really, really interesting people fascinating stories. I've got to work on some amazing deals in, you know, Africa and the Africa deal was, you know, it was amazing. I worked on a project in Ghana, Africa for two years and, and, uh, the, uh, the president of a, of a, a bus, large bus company called me the day after Thanksgiving. I found out later I was the fifth lawyer. He called that day, but everybody was taken off because the Friday after Thanksgiving, nobody was working. And I was in my office working again, a young lawyer I was 26. I didn't have any, any choice, but to do that. And, and so over time, that's really how that happened. You mentioned the ambassadorship. Yes. I, I, I had an opportunity to serve the government of Belize. It was really an opportunity of a lifetime. It was not very helpful from a financial economic perspective, but I really enjoyed it. Got to know again, great people and uh, help advocate not for a, a company or a person, but for a country. And that was, that was really a fascinating opportunity. I've had some other people ask me if I'd be willing to do that again. I'm not sure. I feel like I kind of, I kind of gave my, my time and, and uh, gave my efforts for that. And you know, this, this whole Bitcoin movement, again, it's the snowball that's getting bigger and bigger. It's getting bigger and bigger because the value of these cryptocurrencies is going up. The value of the cryptocurrencies is going up because more people are getting involved and, and recognize them as a store of value. I mean, I have clients that are, you know, old farts that have all their money in gold. And now they're saying, Hey, I think maybe I should pick up some Bitcoin. Like, you know, they're not your guys age. They're, they're at the other end of the spectrum. So when those kind of people come on board, when you read about, 
fund managers, Stanley Druckenmiller and, you know, those kind of people who are more my generation and older getting involved, you know, they're, they're certainly late to the party, but you know, that's, what's going to continue to drive and propel, you know, a Bitcoin higher. But because of that, I think what I do, which is, you know, classic asset protection, you know, if a couple of years ago you had Bitcoin and it was worth, let's say $200,000, you weren't really thinking about asset protection. You weren't thinking about estate planning. You weren't thinking about worrying about lawsuits. Well, now that 200,000 is 8 million. Now you better start thinking about those things, right? 8 million. Hey, I don't want somebody to take it from me. I don't want to get sued. I want to make sure it's there for my kids if they need it for their education. So now it's, it, it, you know, it's a, it's a circular thing. The, the banks, the trust companies, the lawyers, they want to serve the crypto industry more because it's more valuable and the individuals who have it need those things more again, because it's, because it's more valuable. So, you know, I think as Bitcoin goes to a hundred thousand, 200,000, however high it's going to go, it's just going to pull more and more people from conferences like this, you know, up into that category of folks that really need, you know, asset protection, estate planning. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, you know, I think you unpacked a lot of solid information from it and really cool that you really got to be the ambassador of Belize. For everyone that's uh, watching, I don't know if you can see this amazing tie, but he has basically a ton of different flags from countries all over the world. So I, think I, I almost didn't wear this tie today, so I'm glad I did. It's very fitting. It's, <laughs> it looks really great, man. But, you know, um, as we kind of wrap this up, I always like to ask a couple of fun questions as we get towards the end. And, and one that I always like to do that might find a little challenging is if you could take all the wealth of knowledge that you have right now, it could impart wisdom on yourself when you first got started. What would be some of that information you'd give yourself? Well, you know, first of all, it, it's, it's very different from my perspective looking back. It's like, you know, sort of the rearview mirror versus the, you know, the, the windshield looking forward. I mean, you know, there were plenty of times early in my career where I was frustrated about business, frustrated about money, you know, it's like young families starting, starting things. And I think it is really important to stay true to your core belief system, to your core values, to your core strengths. And, you know, obviously there were times where I was tempted to go down a, a whole bunch of different rabbit holes, but you know, I tried to stay on, on track and, but I did it in a very uncertain way. So the one advice I would say is, look, you know, don't sweat the small stuff, just keep going. And, uh, you know, everything's going to come to you. Again, maybe it, it took 32 years to be an overnight success, but I'm here now and that's okay. You know, there were times when, uh, again, when I was ambassador, I wasn't really making any money for a couple of years because, you know, I think my, my children's uh, college tuitions were way more than any money I made. But, you know, it was giving me invaluable contacts. It was staying true to what I was trying to do and accomplish and, you know, I feel that way now. I mean, I, I did it in the philanthropic world. I was one year, I served as a Rotary District Governor. Same thing. I, I mean, I almost bankrupted my business that year because it was literally a full-time job and no money. And uh, obviously you can't afford to do that all the time. But, you know, as you go through life, there, there are points where you need to be able to do that. Money's not, you know, money's important, but it's not the only thing. And I don't think it should really drive your life. I know a lot of wealthy people that are extremely miserable. So, you know, wealth isn't going to, wealth itself isn't going to make you happy. I think it's the other way around. Do something that you're good at that really makes you happy. And then I think the wealth will follow. And I think that's probably a really great note to kind of wrap this thing up on, because I think that as we continue to talk to people here around the crypto experience, 
I don't think that any one of us, as much as there's an incredible amount of hype in the space right now, none of the people here are thinking that. They're not thinking to themselves that any certain amount of Bitcoin can buy them happiness. They're thinking, oh, wow, I've got a lot of Bitcoin. I'm going to smile big. So for right now, I think that we've got a really great thing going on within the space. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with us. Real quick to share with our listeners, where can they catch up with you again um, to, to connect or ask questions or even just get more of your content? Sure, you can go to my website. It's uh, Nagel Law, www.nagellaw. That's, there's two L's in the middle, N-A-G-E-L-L-A-W.com. I also have a podcast called The Global Wealth Fortress Report. You Google that, you know, there's... I think you can find whatever, all episodes that have ever been recorded for all time. And, you know, the nice thing about that is you can kind of pick and choose what you're interested in. So if you see an episode about, you know, residency in Portugal and that's what you're interested in, watch that. They're real, they're real fast and easy. Each episode is just one item. We talk for anywhere from five to 10 minutes. Sometimes I have a guest uh, in a format like this where I ask them questions. Those would be the two ways. And from there, you know, you can find all my other information, phone number, things like that. I'd be happy to, you know, reach out and speak to any of your uh, viewers if they have questions or, or, or interested in this, in this uh, topic. Absolutely. Well, Joel, thank you so much for yeah. joining us. Thank you. Happy to have this conversation, having a great time at the Mind Be Crypto Experience. And of course, for everyone listening, stay cryptocurrent. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from JTR2424. Excellent content. Great show for people to learn details about what's happening in crypto today. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. 
All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.